everybody. Welcome back to Love Curvy Yoga. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are enjoying the podcast, as always, you can like and subscribe. And um, thank you so much to those of you who listened to the bathing suit episode last week and gave us your feedback and shared with us your favorite places to get plus size bathing suits. And I saw some of you like share it on social media. And so we just really, we appreciate you doing that. So I am so excited today because I have someone with me who I have known for a very long time. (laughs) So Ariel (laughs) is joining us this week. She um, is a yoga teacher and she lives in Atlanta. I don't know her through yoga. I know her because we actually went to high school together in upstate New York. And hopefully everything I'm about to say is true. So I <laughs> failed a class. And <laughs> so we're two years <laughs> You graduated in 2001, right? Yes. Yes, okay. that's correct. Yeah. So we're two years apart. I graduated in 99. She graduated in 2001. I failed a class and she was advanced in a class. And so because of that, we ended up in a class together. <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't remember what class it was because I don't remember most of high school. So. <laughs> um, I think it was English. Yes, that makes sense. It was sense. an English class. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I have to tell, I hope I'm not that we can edit this out of the podcast if I'm saying something I'm about to say, but my fondest memory of Ariel is didn't your mom take you to get a tattoo for your 16th birthday? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we um <laughs> did I disclose yes. something to the world that I nope. <laughs> nope. You know, and it's funny. Um I got yeah, because she I wanted to get was I think I was supposed to actually get it. No, it was a, it's a Japanese symbol. Okay. I still love it. It's just I wish now I had gotten it bigger because you know, as I've aged, it kind of looks like a like a smash, like a smashed up bug, but, um, (laughs) but yes, she let me, um, I went when I was actually 15 and we were going to do it on vacation. And they were like, you're, you have to be 16. And I was so mad. So she let me get my belly button pierced. And then, um, when I was 16, I went and got that done. And then when I was 17, I went and got my tongue pierced. That is hilarious. Yes. But that's what happens when you're like the child of divorced parents. Like they're whatever. Yes. They're totally fine with it. They're like, as long as you don't end up in jail, we're good. (laughs) I just remember being like, so I had hounded my mom to let me get my nose pierced. Mm-hmm. When I was 13, and speaking of divorced parents, I wrote her this long letter about how she should let me do it because I didn't ever complain about my stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> and so she did. But when she was and got a tattoo, I was like, I am going to be that kind of mother. And I Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I- <laughs> But you like, but for real, they're like, you have like the coolest kids. Like, I'm like, I like, I kind of like stalk, you know, them through you. Well, I and, stalk my yeah. own children. I'm stalking <laughs> my own, I'm jealous of my own children. I 
Program. Yeah, because they're they're like ten times cooler than I would ever I sent be. Jay like pictures of herself today at school that I had taken, and I was like, "Look at how great your skin looks!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the type of mom I want to be. Like, type them up. Like, <laughs> um, but yes, that is my most vivid memory of Ariel. <laughs> yes, yes. So, Gosh. why don't I've now disclosed your sixteen? Um, your 16th birthday tattoo. So why don't you tell us <laughs> a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, well, like you said, we grew up in, in upstate New York. Um, and then I ended up coming down to Charlotte. Um, I went to undergrad and grad school at UNC Charlotte because um, I needed to get away from the cold weather up in New York. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then um, I ended up after grad school getting or moving to Atlanta, and I have a master's in public health. And so, you know, I've pretty much kind of been in like clinical research uh, for most of my career. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I was in college, I. I used to dance. Um, I danced for probably about 24 years. Um, yes. And, um, of course we all know that does awful things to your body after a while. And so I was doing, um, my work study at the gym and I had been talking to, uh, our manager about, you know, having back problems and stuff. And she had said, why don't you try taking our group yoga class? And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? And I took it and I loved it. Um, my body was definitely a lot different back then. You know, I was, yeah. I was at a former dancer. Um, so I think I loved it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, yeah. I loved it because, you know, I was already flexible as a dancer. Yeah. And so in my head, I thought, oh, I love this because I'm good at this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, and eventually, you know, grad school kind of got in the way. and life between moving down here and uh I had a engagement that broke off and so life just kind of hit me hard and I had you know a car accident along the way too and so after the car accident um I started having a lot of pain issues and so I was like well you know I remember doing some yoga I was like it seemed to help me so maybe that's something I can go back to yeah um so, but in that, in that time span, my practice definitely changed. I had picked up weight from not really being able to exercise. Um, and I wasn't known at the time, but probably about four years afterwards, um, I actually ended up being diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So, um, you know, it was, I was fortunate enough to find a studio that was, um, very, open to everybody. Um, so I got to, you know, I got back into my practice. I started doing work trade at the studio because, you know, being even after grad school, it's, you know, student loans and all that other fun adult bills. So, um, I started doing, um, work trade with them three hours a week and I just started picking up classes and, and getting to know the teachers and, um, you know, like I said, the studio that I was at was diverse in that they had, you know, a, a good array of different types of yoga available. They had um, a lot of different teachers of different races. Um, 
available as well. So I never felt like it was, I wasn't as welcomed, um, you know, despite, you know, being heavier or having pain issues. And um, one of the teachers that I connected with, um, it was actually the teacher that I uh, did my yoga teacher training under. Okay. And um, she is a yoga therapist. So it was very interesting to get to learn a lot of the different things that I guess I really wasn't aware of at the time and a lot more deeper into my practice. So let's keep talking about this because this okay. is where we're going anyway. So let's just go. So, you know, in curvy yoga, we talk a lot about diversity in terms of like body shape, body size. Um, but you know, I think that there are lots of different ways that yoga has not been inclusive and you just talked about a couple of them. So let's just keep talking about kind of one, your experience as a woman of color in yoga, but it sounds like when you came into yoga and the classroom experience that you had access to yoga teachers that looked like you and who understood the things that were going on in your body after being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is awesome, but that's not everybody's experience. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. And I, and I had been to other studios and it took me a little bit to find a good fit for me. Um, for a long time when I initially, um, when I kind of started back into the practice, I would actually go up, um, my brother and now sister-in-law were in Greensboro. And so sometimes I would go up to visit them and we would do like 90 minute Bikram yoga, which is pretty like rigid. And as far as the poses go. Um, but for me, I felt like I was able to do a little bit more because the heat was actually, it helped a lot, um, on my joints and my muscles. Um, but yeah, we would, you know, um, we're biracial. Um, so we would literally be like the, my brother and I would be the only two in the entire classroom. Um, and even a couple of the yoga studios I tried down here initially, um, you know, I was the heaviest in the classroom. I was the only minority in the classroom. Um, so it was, it was, um, I had to learn how to, to be okay with it if I wanted to practice, but then also like, understand that I don't have to like it's one thing to experience it maybe one time and see if it's a good fit for me but I didn't have to I didn't owe anybody anything by coming back if they weren't able to do anything for me and my practice oh that's so good I love that because (laughs) and I would be that person I mean I feel like I'm better now but like 10 years ago maybe would be the kind of person who would have felt like, well, I have to like, that I did need to keep coming back or whatever. So I love that. I love that you were just like, I don't owe anyone anything. (laughs) Yeah. And and, I mean, it was, it was a thing, you know, it's like, I mean, I would go in there and I would for a very long time, I would find myself in the back corner of the room Yeah, because aesthetically I wasn't what everyone else was. Um, you know, I, it took me a really long time to be um, comfortable with the way that my body is now because, you know, I've, I've, I was a cheerleader, I danced, you know, I was very athletic build and it was like, I was so used to having so much control over my body and then I didn't have that control anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, I just felt like 
because I was so unhappy with my body that other people were judging me. Yeah. And so, you know, it was, I would just hide in the back corner, do whatever, you know, go through the poses and everything like that. But, you know, I just, sometimes it just felt like I needed more and I couldn't quite put my finger on it until I was able to find a good studio fit for me. Yeah. That's so good. That's really great. Um, so in terms of fibromyalgia, so this, mm-hmm. like we talk about it in yoga teacher training a little bit. Um, I don't know what other, what other teacher trainings do as far as, you know, touching on it or not, but I know that we have a lot of people that like follow us and, and are probably listening to the podcast who have been diagnosed with the same thing. So what has been your experience as someone showing up to class with fibromyalgia? Like, has it been helpful for you to practice yoga? Do you feel like oh, yes. you need to not practice when you're having flare-ups? Um, so I have to, le- I had to learn that like I needed to listen to my body a little bit more, um, in terms of like when I was having flare ups, like I, I know that, you know, for me, my symptoms are typically like, I'll get a little bit more knee pain in either one or both knees. Um, sometimes I'll even get some bad hip pain with it. Um, and so, and I've had it long enough now where I start to know, like even my signs of when I'm about to get a bad flare up. Yeah. Um, so, but in those like initial stages, you know, it was the only thing that was really helping me, like going to a yoga class meant I could have more than three hours sleep a night. Um, yeah. And you know, it was it's just been kind of, it was, it's been trial and error with a bunch of things, you know, uh, like as I've kind of navigated through it, because it's such a tricky thing to even get diagnosed. And, um, you know, I just, for me, um, I'm a little bit more partial to warmer or heated classes because I know that that gives my body the ability to move a little bit more freely. Um, but I do find that, you know, sometimes I'll come into a class and I'm like, I love props. I, I mean, I literally pick up every prop (laughs) all the wall. Yes. And I don't even care what kind of class it is I'm going into. And, you know, I, gosh, I remember, um, actually wasn't that long ago, probably within the last like four or five months, I was taking a class and, um, there was a particular pose that I have a specific modification that I do because I know what works for my body. Yes. And the instructor knew I was an instructor as well. And in the class, like kind of almost called me out and I felt, I just, I, there was like, I literally had to do that, like just breathe thing over and over again, because she was literally like, in the middle of instructing, like everyone's moving into the pose and I move up against the wall and I have my strap and I'm doing it. And she's like, is there a reason that you're not doing it? Like, is your shoulder bothering you or something oh. like that? And I was just kind of like, I could, I was like, she's lucky that I was already like all red and hot and sweaty from the yeah, class. Cause like red and hot and sweaty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, and as a teacher, I was just like, you know, as a, as a teacher, I would never do that to anybody. I would always make sure, you know, I, not only do I ask if people have chronic health conditions, I am very actually vocal about the fact that I do. 
So yes. if you don't yeah. see me doing it, you know, or if you see, uh, if you need a, a different variation of it, um, call me over. Like, yeah. I, I promise you, I can figure it out a way yeah. to make it work for you. And I think that 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 has helped a lot of my students who, you know, they've come up to me afterwards and been like, well, I have it too. And it was just nice to have somebody who understands that, you know, sometimes my body just doesn't go this way. Yeah. And so, um, like I said, for the most part, you know, most teachers kind of just let me do my own thing. Um, you know, um, which I am fortunate of. Um, I, I found that even during my teacher training, I was a bit of um, a challenge at times. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not in like a, but like I would ask a question and the teacher would just be like, "Um, let me think about this or let me get back to you. And, um, you know, and it was funny because as I was going through my teacher training, I started to kind of, I think like, as you go through your training, you come at like, there's at least one day that you end up in tears just of because course. like, yes. <laughs> I yes. think it's a requirement it's of a the requirement teacher training. <laughs> training that you cry at least one. Yes. Yes. And I, I just had a day where I was just like, you know, um, the lesson that I had created was so different from everybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was just like, you know, I'm worried as a teacher that people are not going to connect with me because yeah. I know like there's different types of yogi people, of course, but there's yeah. definitely those who want a specific type of challenging practice. Yes. And I was like, I don't appeal to that population, you right. know, and it was just like, I, and I don't know what it, you know, was that just overwhelmed me. And yeah. when I was talking to someone else, she was like, are you kidding? She was like, I have more people who have issues like you and I don't know how to teach to them. Yes. And, and I think that was when as a, you know, during my training, it hit me that like all these things that I'm, you know, the fact that I'm a minority, the fact that I have a chronic illness, like those are things that are going to benefit me as a teacher, but also benefit my students. Yes. You know this. We just, I just came out of our second module of uh, our yoga teacher training for the year. And one of the things that we talked about, I mean, we definitely weave it through the entire training, but one of the things that we hit a little bit harder, this module is just the idea that you are not everyone's teacher and that is okay. And the beautiful part of yes. that, that when you are your authentic self as a yoga teacher, that you will bring your students to you who are meant for you and quite frankly, who need you, who yes. need your teaching style, who need like, who need you, your vulnerability with them in being honest about mm-hmm. you know, your, like the things that are going on physically in your body. And when we were talking, when I was talking about this with our YTTers, like across the board, they were all, we talked about experience that they've had in class and with teachers and they, you know, all said that there's something really comforting about, um, having a teacher who is, you know, honest about the things going on in their body or who is, who may say like, I can't do this pose today, or, you know, I don't ever do this pose. This isn't available to me. So, I mean, just like, that's so, it's so great to hear you talk about that just because we, 
I really try to push that on people. I'm like a, definitely a people pleaser. And so Mm -hmm. the fact that I really embraced that early on, that I was not going to be everyone's yoga teacher and that was okay has been really, really helpful. (laughs) Yes. And you know, it's funny because I think, um, so one of the classes that I teach is in a gym and, um, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, the gym yoga is definitely different from (laughs) a studio yoga, like the type of students that you bring in are completely different, you know? And, um, you know, one of my students, they had a lot of back issues and ended up like taking a hiatus for a little bit because they, um, ended up getting like spine fusion. Oh my God. And, you know, so when they started showing back up to the class, they were like, you know, out of all the classes I take, this is the one that makes me feel the best. This mm-hmm. is the one that, you know, she's like, I, I feel challenged, but I feel like, I feel like that in a good way. And, yeah. you know, cause she was just like, you know, some of the other classes I take, literally all we do is vinyasa over and over and over again. Yeah. And that, you know, she's like, I, I, you know, I'm older that's not what my practice is anymore. And, yeah. and I think also too, people forget that like your practice changes with yes. you day to day. Yes. Like, like, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, when I first started, you know, I love Bikram. I was a 90 minute Bikram girl. Like yeah. I needed to be drenched in sweat and, yes. you know, yeah. and now I, now even you know, after training and everything, I think I can do a max about 75 minutes before like either I start losing, like I start, my mind starts wandering or anything of that sort. And even, even the type of practice, because I remember one type taking a, uh, a yin class and I was like, I'm never doing that again. This is just, (laughs) I am not doing anything for me. Yes. And now I find that I like seek it more. Yes. Um, because, you know, right now it's what my body needs and it's what my mind needs as well. That's really good. Anna and I were just, I think may have been on the last podcast. We were talking about how since she, I've always been a class person. Like I need to go to a class. I need the energy of a class to make me even want to practice. Um, and had a solid home practice for years and, and we were talking about how it's flipped for both of us that like, I'm kind of in a season of life where I just want to practice in quiet by myself. And mm-hmm. she, since having the baby feels like she needs to go to a class, she needs someone else to tell her what to do. She needs to be with other people. So like, not only does your physical practice change and like, you know, what's available to you, but also where you practice or the type of yoga that you choose. Mm-hmm. To and I think yeah. like, if you open yourself up to that and allow that shifting and changing, it, it can help keep it fresh instead of yes. you like forcing yourself to do something that you like don't want to be doing. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've taken classes before where either, you know, I thought, you know, in it, and it could even be in some days, just like maybe the teacher's having an off day and you feel the energy yes. and, and like, you'll be in a class and like, you're literally just like, I hate this right now. And like, And I tell people, I'm like, listen to your body. Like, because if you are, if you're feeling like that, like you're going to end up after this practice, you're going to feel like angry and stirred up and it's going to change your whole vibe. And sometimes your body is just like, no, I don't need this right now. And you just have to, to listen. Like, and I've also learned, I think, um, as a teacher, you just have to be, you just have to have a tough skin. Cause like I said, I, 
I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm the only one on my current schedule at the gym that I teach at that teaches a more of a slow flow class. Okay. But it's really funny because, you know, I've had people who are like, oh yeah, I do yoga all the time. And, and by the end of the class, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, that was one of the hardest classes I had to take. Yeah. And, and I tell them like, it is so much harder to sit still and, be and hold something. It is, yeah. it is so, so difficult. It's and I tell people that the two hardest things about yoga are getting to class and uh, Shavasana. <laughs> they are. And I like, you know, it, when I first started out, I hated Shavasana like so much. <laughs> Because like, that's just not how I was wired. Like I needed to be moving constantly yeah. and I can, you know, I can look over the students and I can see who is agitated. I can see who yeah. is, yeah. you know, who needs this more now than, you know, before. And it's, yeah. it's amazing how much you can tell just by watching your students laying out in front of you. I know. Yeah. I've probably said this before, but when I, when I first started practicing, it was after I had just gotten divorced. It was just like a hard season of life. I had two young kids. I was working when they were in school. There was just a lot going on. And I started practicing yoga and Shavasana was often, you know, like a five minute Shavasana was often like the only quiet time that I had during the day. Mm-hmm. Like I would process every single thing that was going on and I would lay in Shavasana and sob. Yes. Like just sob. But I needed it so yes. badly. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's it's one it, it's and that's the thing is like I tell people, you know, that there is a type of yoga for everybody. Yeah. And like you do not realize how much you need it until you get there. Like yeah. there, there is, and I tell them, I'm like, don't take just one class. Don't take just one type of class. Yeah. I was like, because there is, I mean, I have yet to meet somebody who has a continued yoga practice who doesn't say, Oh, well, this class made me like very emotional or yeah. this class made me like, I cried. And like we as teachers, like we know that feeling. And so like, it's just hard for people to understand that it is okay to feel like that and to sit in those emotions because that is part of your, your journey through yoga. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Um, I want to circle back around, not because I want to bring up your traumatic moment again, but because I was just thinking, um, when you were talking about how the teacher kind of called you out in class. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting because I feel like as teachers, um, our, like our goal and our job should be one to set our students up to bring themselves back to their own body and mm-hmm. to give themselves what they need to make the practice their own as opposed yes. to, I call it synchronized yoga. Like, I've been in classes where teachers, you can tell, are like super stoked when everyone is like nailing the full expression of the pose. Yes. And we all look exactly the same. And you can tell that it really like does something for them. Like Mm -hmm. as a teacher, it makes them feel like they've really accomplished something. And yeah, and, and it's so funny because, like, you know, the whole part of yoga is to be letting go of the ego, and I feel like <laughs> that type of stuff is like exactly what you're not supposed to be, right. you know, 
but eating think, as a teacher. Yeah. I think when you like, when that mentality shifts and you think of yourself as a teacher, as like someone who's giving your students the resources that they need to make their practice be their own, like I would have loved to have been your teacher in that moment where I was mm-hmm. like, she knows exactly what she needs and she feels free and safe in this space to give that yes. to herself. Yes. And, I, and you know, it's funny. I was reading um, a post on Instagram the other day um, and they were talking about how like some teachers, they don't know what to do with some of their students yeah. and they will um, set their certain students like that are newer or something next to someone who's maybe a regular at the class who makes adjustments to their practice Yeah, and how like how not good that is because not only are you you forcing that person to become their teacher right. but you're also not you're not making the space inclusive for everyone you're basically saying i don't know what to do with you so i'm going to stick you over here and then i'm going to pay attention to everyone else to everybody else yeah mm-hmm. i think you know when we particularly in yoga teacher trainings when we get to go a little bit deeper with people and kind of talk about their experience as practitioners. And I mean, we've just heard some really, I, like I would call them yoga horror stories. Oh yeah. Oh the yeah. Way that teachers have treated, you know, every people that come through our training come, they're all different shapes and sizes for sure. But particularly when you're talking about like women coming through who are, who do have larger bodies, like mm-hmm. some of the experiences that they have had in yoga classes, just feeling like unseen and overlooked and really just what you just said that teachers are yeah. like, I don't know what to do with you. Yeah. And it's crazy. And I mean, especially now with as much body positivity as we have, you yeah. know, um, you know, acknowledging, you know, even designers acknowledging bigger sizes, you know, women on Instagram being, you know, fashion forward and, and just such a better, healthier relationship with the body, regardless of what shape it is, especially with, you know, I say with women, mostly I'm thinking of regards of like, when you have children, you know, if you don't, you know, health changes, you know, it's, there's so much going on that like your body is going to change throughout your life. And, and I think we're so stuck, like, you know, growing up that, you know, your body has to look this way. And if it's not perfect, um, then, you know, you need to get in the gym, you need to go work it off, you need to, to starve yourself. But like, now I feel like, you know, at least for my practice, I've seen it shift into a not, oh, I can't do this. It's, oh, I'm really excited that I can do this. Yes. Um, and that I have the tools that I need. Yeah. Because, you know, even, even poses that I did not think were possible with the right props, you know, with the right adjustments, they became so much more accessible to me. And that just, just changed my practice entirely. Did you, when you first started, like when you were were practicing, when you first started practicing, well, I know that you were, you did, I actually, I practiced Bikram was where I started with Bikram. But when you were practicing like back, back in the day, were you, were props available to you or was that? No, no, no. And it's, and it was like looked down upon. Like when I, you know, like 
teachers, like I would go into a classroom and no one would have any props. And then I would do like, I'd be working on something or I'd have difficulty getting to it. And then a teacher would come over and like place one beside me. And it was like, <laughs> well, here you go. Cause you clearly need this, you know? <laughs> and it was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. But then it's, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I have, uh, um, one of my classes that I teach, um, and the, one of my students who I, I get to work with a lot of, um, they're really, really great. And so we were doing a couple of poses and, you know, I gave her a prop, I, you know, I gave her a block. We were working in pigeon and I was telling her, you know, I was like, place the block underneath you, you know? And I was like, you're, once your body relaxes, you're going to able, you're, you're going to be able to, to get into that pose and your body's going to feel supported and it's going to change. And she was just like, the, she was like, I hated this pose until this very moment. Yes. And, and, and like, that's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, I love props. I was like, I think that everybody should, I was like, I, in all my classes, I don't care if you need them or not. I make everybody get them. Yes. Because I, yeah. Cause I don't, I don't want you to feel, first of all, I don't want people to feel out of place if they have the props, but I also right. want people to realize that like, those props are good. Like okay. your body cannot, your people get so frustrated with yoga because they think if they can't do it a specific way, then they may not as well do it at all. Right. It's not for and, Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, no, I was like, there's, there are so many other variations. You can find a way for your body to get the same benefits from this pose, even if it means adding a prop or a strap here. Yes, like it's absolutely. totally doable. Yeah. And if you need a proper strap and you're not choosing to use it, you aren't really getting the benefit of the pose. No, no. You're and you're just and stressing to try. Yes. To yes. yes. And, and then you're going to hurt yourself. Yes, exactly. And like, and that I think out of everything that I teach my students is I try to remind them, you know, I try to tell them to be kind to their body um, mm. because I feel like we're not you know, even it is a society, like we don't sleep enough. We yeah. don't, you know, have the best of diets. We, we stress so much. We work too much and we don't rest enough. And, you know, just being here, I remind them like, this is your time to take care of yourself and yeah. what you learn here, you can carry out into the world and make yeah. your life a little bit better because of that. Yeah, that's so good. And props are a huge part of it. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> I know it's interesting because I had a similar I mean when I was practicing Bikram we did not use there were no props even available I didn't even know that they were a thing mm -hmm. at, at the particular studio that I went to and then um, I moved to another studio it was a, still a hot studio but it wasn't a Bikram studio and there were props in the corner but mm -hmm. I had never seen a prop and didn't know what they were for. And so, um, and the teacher didn't teach modifications. So no. occasionally I would see someone who was obviously a more experienced practitioner than I was, who would like grab a block and use it. But I had no idea like what they were, what they were for. And I didn't really have any experience with props until I went through curvy yoga teacher training and I was like, what is this? 
<laughs> yes. Yes. And it's, it's, it's funny because I, I completely agree with you. Like as you know, the years have gone on in my yoga practice, like it used to be, there were no props in the, in the classroom. And then maybe there were blocks in the corner. And now like you have whole prop walls with yes. like bolsters and sandbags and blankets. <laughs> and it's just like, they take up like half the studio and yes. it's like, and people are okay with them. And I mean, to the point where like, I actually just, I bring my own props to, yeah. you know, the studio for the most part, um, just because I'm always afraid that I'm going to get someplace and they're not going to have what I need. Right. But I, I don't really come across that as much as I used to. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and hopefully that's like one, maybe the culture of yoga shifting a little bit. You've got I feel like because of how we do treat our bodies, like more people have injuries, like we are less Mm -hmm. flexible. And so people, hopefully studios are just becoming more aware of that and are creating spaces. Yeah, I feel, I feel like they are, I mean, just, I mean, Atlanta has got such a great yoga scene and, um, you know, we have like, I tell everybody like, the different types of yoga that we have here, the different programs, the access to the different teachers that you have here. It's like, so diverse. It's extremely it is. diverse. Yeah. It is. I mean, I mean, there's um, Chelsea Jackson and she yes. does yeah. the, the art camp with the younger girls. Yeah. Um, there's uh, Ritu Chahari and she yeah. does um a yoga program with doing yoga for police officers. I love it. Um, which is really cool. And, you know, there's, you know, you've got your core power and you've got, but you've got some that are more um, looking at uh, doing the meditation portion of yoga. Um, you know, it's just, it's so cool. I mean, we've got Dirty South Yoga Festival coming up soon. And that's such, yeah, that's such an awesome time to see all the different teachers that you have access to in this city. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, okay, real quick, I wanted to circle back around again because I'm just, I'm rethinking about all the great things you said. So you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> when we were talking, when we were talking about how you had first been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and then you were going to yoga. Um, and you're just talking about, you know, now you've gotten to a place where you can like you and your own body know when a flare up is going to happen. Like you can tell the signs. Mm -hmm. So, um, for people that listen to the podcast, like you have probably heard Anna talk about how yoga played a huge role in her being able to manage migraines. And part of that was Mm -hmm. that yoga really helps her be able to tune into her own body and listen to her, her own body. So do you feel like yoga played a part in you, um, kind of connecting with yourself, being mindful of your own body, and then being able to kind of like manage or know when a flare up is going to happen? Absolutely. Like, I think, uh, you know, I tell people that, you know, really yoga, like has literally made it so that I can still function. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, there are days where it is really, really bad. Um, and not only did it, you know, teach me like, okay, if this is bothering you, if you do this, it might ease off. But it also taught me that like, you know, you, you are, you, it makes me so much more aware of everything that's going on. Like, Mm -hmm. 
even little things that don't even have to do so much with my fibro, like, okay, if I'm walking and something feels weird in my foot, well, you know, it's probably my body accommodating because of this. And like, you just, you, it really does. Like, I don't even know how to really put it best into words, but like it, I, I just become so much more aware of, you know, when things are, and I don't want to say good or bad because I don't want to judge. Yes. But, you know, I, I just notice the different sensations. I know when I've hit my limits, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause I think that's really one of the biggest things with fibro is just learning because you're so accustomed to being able to do all the things that you used to do. And especially, you know, I'm 35. So I don't feel like, you know, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm clearly able, um, to walk, to, you know, exercise, to do certain things that, other people don't, you know, have the ability to do. So for that, I'm grateful, but it really has forced me to be like, you need to recognize when this is too much for your body and what your body needs in order for you to be able to have better days ahead. Yeah. That's really good. I love that. It's such a, I don't know. I didn't come to, I did not come to yoga anticipating that it would help me be more mindful or to help me be mindful period. Cause I don't, I had completely kind of like detached from my body at that point, but mm-hmm. that it would really help me <clears throat> begin to like know my own body. Yeah. And it's incredible. Like what the practice can do when you allow it to. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like yoga is like almost like coconut oil. You can put it on everything and fix it. And it's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> that is amazing. That, is so that feels like the perfect place to end this segment. <laughs> Okay, we skipped around because I'm just like hanging out with my high school friends talking. So we're going to back it up now and talk about our practice notes for the week. So my practice notes for this week are very literal. Um, It is, I just wanted to sing the praises of supported Supta Baddha Konasana. So I've already said we just got done with um, a yoga teacher training and um, I put the teachers in supported Supta Baddha Konasana, which, sorry, I'm using Sanskrit. If you're not familiar, it would be like a supported cobbler's pose. And um, I just looked at all of them. Like just looking at all of them made me feel so relaxed. <laughs> so, yes. We will like, I'll find a picture somewhere and I will throw a picture up on social media after the podcast comes out so that you can see what it looks like. But you would basically like set up some blocks and then like lay a bolster on the block so that you would recline on the bolster. And then you um, would bend the knees, let the knees fall open, soles of the feet come together. And you can use a strap like around your waist coming in that would like wrap inside your thighs. I'm not good at explaining things. It's a wonder that I can actually (laughs) these things to people. Um, And then it comes around the feet and it kind of holds the feet in so that you can like really let the inner thighs release and you can put blocks underneath your knees. It is just like, if you believe in God, it's like God himself created this. Like, (laughs) 
I I have to agree with you on that because you have to do it. You know that a pose is good when you just look at a room full of other people doing it and you're happy for them. Yes. <laughs> and 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 I know that so you know, depending on when I'm teaching, if I um cue for that pose and I get everyone in it. And then I let them move into another position if they want to for Shavasana. They don't want to. (laughs) They they stay right there. They're like, I'm good. Oh my gosh. It's so, I can feel my inner thighs are releasing just talking about it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm, and I'm all for the hip stuff. So that's amazing. Okay. What are your practice notes? (laughs) Oh gosh. Besides that one. Um, like it's just a just a particular pose or yeah just... so either you could tell us like what your favorite pose is or like something that you've learned off of the mat that also would like translate off the mat in some way i went completely literal on the mat this week so i think as far as just a pose wise for me um legs of the wall has been oh, like yes. life changing for me um i learned that pose in, during my uh, ytt and the next day I came back after we had did it and I was like, I slept. Yeah. And that was like, I mean, I'm telling you like on an average, like if I'm getting a good night's sleep, I might get like four or five hours of sleep. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, and it was like the last thing we did on the Friday night. Um, and I like, I woke up before my alarm went off. I was just like, I felt like a whole new person. And, you know, every time I teach it, um, the next time I have class, someone comes back to me and just like raves about it. And I'm just like, I, I, I just, I hate that more people aren't getting that pose because like, yeah, with us. And I, you know, I, when I do it, um, I tend to do um, just a blanket underneath my pelvis and I like to tie my strap um, like right around my thighs and it just releases like so much in that low back area and it just, you know, it's, I, I, by far my favorite pose. I agree. I I also love legs up the wall. (laughs) Yes. I feel, I just feel so good just talking about it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay, so Ariel is going to share a resource with you this week. Okay, so what is your resource? So, um, you know, as we've talked about the fibromyalgia, so I've actually slowly started getting into a little bit more with the CBD oil and the CBD creams. And especially with now, like, it's so great because you literally have access to it everywhere. You guys and have shops popping up on every corner in Atlanta. Every, oh my gosh. Like, we, I think in probably a two mile radius of my place. There's probably about four different shops I can yes, go to. That's exactly the same here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even, um, I've noticed too, a lot of, um, yoga classes are starting to incorporate it. Um, okay. they'll do, um, CBD tea and then you can do the class, um, either before or after, or they'll offer yeah. the CBD honey. Like, yes. And so, um, it's really, it's really starting to, to pick up a lot here. And so, um, you know, I had heard great things about it. So I started to try it. Um, and I've tried, you know, the gummies and the oil. Um, but like my newest thing is the CBD cream. Um, it's, you can get, they have like regular lotions, but then they also have like a muscle cream. 
which for me is like amazing. Um, the particular brand that I use is, um, green roads. Okay. And, um, I use like the 300 milligram, I think. And it doesn't even take that much and it is a little pricey, but it's totally worth it. Like it does, it works better than anything I've ever used. Um, so that's my, that's like the the thing I swear by. And I tell everybody about it's your Holy grail product. It is. I keep it in my purse. That's amazing. I I've got like five colors of nude lip gloss and Ariel has CBD oil. Um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> okay, so my eye roll for the week is a couple of weeks ago, I shared Hunter McGrady as my resource for the week. And if you don't know who she is, she's a curvy model. She's like most recently kind of known for being in the sports illustrated swimsuit issue. Mm -hmm. I love her. She's great. And I was reading, I don't know why I do this. Like I know better than to read comments on Instagram. Like I know better, but they're there. They're there. And it just, yes, really hard. And And you like, it's like a black hole. You just start on one and it just like tumbles down. Hundreds of them. There's hundreds of them. So my criticism is really uh, towards people in maybe the, the community that is listening to us right now. <laughs> Just getting a lot of criticism from other curvy women about the fact that they don't feel like she is big enough or that her body shape, her body shape is like whatever it is and it's not this and it should be this. And she doesn't really represent curvy women. I mean, like she's a size 16. So, you know, she's definitely a curvy girl. Like she's got boobs and butt and cellulite and stretch marks and all of it. And it's just out. And I think she's really great. And I was like, you can't win. (laughs) No, you really, you really can't. And it's, and it is, I've seen that so many times. Like, I know a lot of people have that criticism of, um, oh gosh, why am I, yeah, Ashley, Ashley Graham. Graham. Yes. yes. And I, and I love her because like, I mean, you see in her workouts, like she's got cellulite. She, yeah. I mean, and she is, <laughs> and especially in, you know, comparison to other people, yes. you know, she is, she is much bigger. And I actually saw um, recently to Tyra Banks was on um he was on the cover she was on the swimsuit illustrated issue yes and and she was on um the daily show and she was talking about how you know she was like 30 or 40 pounds heavier than you know what she was when she first shot it yeah and it's but it's amazing like it's it's so it's so frustrating because like you know like especially in this day and age like as women, we should totally be supporting each other so much more in all aspects. And it is just like, you're right. Like you can't win. You're not, you know, you're either too skinny or too heavy or not the right, or you, if you're in that middle, then like, where do you go? Like, yeah, you're too heavy to be a skinny person, but you're too small to be considered a big person. Like, and it's just like, you know, it's, it's not surprising that people have as many issues as they have because it's just hard to feel accepted and supported. Yeah, by like <laughs> right, like you just feel like it doesn't matter what you do, you're being judged in yeah. some aspect, and it's just like it's it's you know she it's it's crazy. It was like you know years you know years and years ago. There's no way that they would let 
something oh. like that be on the cover of magazines Never. and now you Never. know yeah yeah I was just reading it and I was like oh my gosh what <laughs> I know I know and then it's just like you know I just like I, I was listening to your guys' swimsuit episode and you know how you were talking about how like you know for the most part I think you know you're aware of all your flaws but you don't realize that no one else is really paying attention right. to them as much yeah but then I think things like social media yeah. like kind of set you back mentally because you're like oh yeah. no they're they're totally judging yes and so it's I mean where do you go from there yeah because we see people who are in the spotlight who are just have opened themselves up to because of social media and the internet, like hundreds of thousands of people's criticism from either side of the fence. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it is hard. It is hard to kind of shift that mentality and go like you do. You just assume that everyone is judging you yeah. for something or another. And it's hard to not like get in your head about that. I agree. Yeah. We're saying all that to say, again, show up to the pool in a bikini. You look great. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I, yes. So <laughs> um, okay. What is your gratitude for the week? Uh, my gratitude is getting to spend some time with you. Yes. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about this for a little bit. We have. You know, we finally got to see each other a couple months back we while you were down did. here. And, so good. Yeah. And it's just, it's just really nice, um, you know, to see you in this capacity and like sharing all of this like wealth of knowledge to other people and giving them access um to what I've known is a completely wonderful person. So I, I think that I'm you know I'm really grateful not only for myself or our you know our friendship but also that you know everybody else gets a chance to to get a little bit of that as well. I love it. Well my gratitude for the week is that two girls from upstate New York one being an underachiever, the other being an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> and like these very similar, this like very similar place of, yes. you know, learning to love your body and learning to accept kind of what is and be with what is and have found a very similar way to share that, that thing with other people. So I'm so grateful for us. And that somehow we both ended up in the South. How did we both end up in the Yes. South? Um, probably all of those awful winters those that we spent up there. Those winters will drive a girl to the South. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I mean, I came down to Charlotte, and then I was like, no, I still need more warm than this. And I ended up getting, yes, two of my brothers are down here now. My dad has retired down here now. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I just with you. <laughs> yes, because I, you know what it was? It's because I didn't want to go back up there for the holidays, and so I was like, "You can come down here." So that worked. <laughs> so I, I got a, I got a little go, brother and a little. If you go stuff. home to upstate New York for a winter holiday, there's a really good chance you're not going to get home. <laughs> no, no. Um, in fact, my first year down in Charlotte. They like lost all my luggage um, no. when I came back up to New York for the holidays. No, I had no winter clothes like <laughs> at all, and I was like, you know, I think I think I'm good with this whole coming up here thing. Like it kind of, 
like, and especially because I see my mom is still up there and, um, I think they just got snow, like maybe a couple of weeks back. Yeah, that's it, was just, like, it, was, it was in May. Yeah. So I have always told my children that the first snow was always around Halloween. Yep. And the last snow was always around Easter. Always. Yes. Yes. And you know, and it's amazing. Cause like, now, like if it gets below 70 degrees, like I don't want to go outside. I don't, I need a hoodie. And so, you know, my mom's always like, you never come up to visit. And I was like, well, cause it never hits above 70 there. Like we went up in June last year for my brother's graduation at the end of June. And it was like 60 and rainy the whole time. And I was like, no, no. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. We never go back either. (laughs) Like I have, I just, I mean, there's a couple people I miss, but I always invite them to come down here. Not enough to go up. No, no, not at all. Like my nieces and nephews were all born down here. So they like, you know, if they get the tiniest bit of snow, they think it's the best thing in the world. And I'm like, I don't even know. We were just talking about this the other day. Like, I don't even know how we functioned as children no. up there like because mm-hmm. we used to go out and actually play in that and I'm just like for hours yes like hours. it was no big deal I was thinking the other day about how dangerous so for a period of my life until I was in like third grade I lived even further upstate than we lived and oh, so gosh. I lived in a town called Watertown mm. and we would legitimately get you know you would get four or five feet of snow and we would go out and dig tunnels and crawl around in the tunnels. And I'm like, that was so dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was just talking about. Tunnels in the I, crawl through them. I know. I was just talking about how like, you know, if we actually did get a snowstorm, it was, it had to be like really bad for them to close school the oh, night no, before. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I, you know, I was telling, I was like, yeah, I was like, we used to go like night sledding down. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Like Holly Hill and all the other places. Or at Glenwood, that giant hill at Glenwood Elementary School. Yes. And I was like, how did I make it out? Because (laughs) I like between the cold and like the really recklessness with like, because like I can remember one time I went, we went sledding. um, I'm trying to remember the name. Uh, it was one of the side streets near African road um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. that my friend was on and we went sledding. And as we were sledding, the sled got stuck and we went flying forward and, and she hit her head on like a, a telephone pole. Oh my gosh. And like, we probably should have sent her to the hospital, but instead we were like, let's do it again. And well, I was just like, New York kids, oh just do gosh. it again. <laughs> yes. I was just like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I mean, like I'm for real. Like, I, my office currently, I have like a Snuggie because they have already started cranking up the AC and like, you know, we didn't really like, we didn't have, that's what I tell people too. I was like, we didn't have really like central air conditioning. Oh, we like, not have central. Listen, yeah. Like unless you had the one that was in the window. Do you remember Lisa Esposito? Yes. Okay. Her mom just got central heat and air like a few years ago. <laughs> you, I mean, you don't you didn't have really it. beat you didn't it. No, because like, no. so when I came down to Atlanta and everybody had AC and then everybody cranks it up and I'm like, like, I don't know, maybe it's all those years in upstate New York, but like, we're about to get 90 degree weather and I am all here for it. Like, 
you know, and, and the humidity isn't as bad down here as no. it is up there. So yeah. my curls look amazing. I am like, you know, I don't feel like a poodle with a bad perm or anything. Like I am just like, I am here for all of this. And everyone's like, no, it's too hot. And I'm like, no, not at all. You're not like, at all. Living four months out of the year where it's negative 10. <laughs> right. Right. Like I was just talking because my cousin, she's getting married in September and I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to figure out if we're going to go up there. And I was like, the only reason besides the fact that I love my cousin that I would seriously consider it is that it's probably going to be like the one month where it's still going to yes. be decently warm there. Yeah, that's true. Um, that would be the perfect time to go. Yes. But besides that, like, I, I really think people think I'm kidding, but I'm like, no, I was like, I was like, we're always in like the top 10 for worst weather for seasonal depression for cloudiest cities. Like (laughs) I was like, I was like, what? I always ask my dad, I'm like, what made you decide that this was a good place for us to be just out of curiosity? (laughs) It's so, this is terrible. And we'll end on this, but there was, when you said about cloudiest city, we flew in to Binghamton. This is years <laughs> ago. This is, this is actually the year. This is when Lisa Esposito got married. So we were flying home for us, flying home for her wedding. The kids were with me. It was like 2011, which is eight years ago, which is insane. But mm-hmm. we flew into Binghamton and as the plane is landing, I was like, how did I ever live here? <laughs> Because it was yes. dark and cloudy. And I was like, I totally like time? this is terrible. Yes. Shout out to Binghamton. Thank you for raising us. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yes. And like, and you know, that's the craziest thing is like growing up, it was great. It was great. Growing up, it was great. Like, you know, but then it was just like, I do, I will say, I do miss some food places up there and I miss a Wegmans. Oh, like, oh, oh, Wegmans. Oh, yes, like you wouldn't believe. Please. I miss Wegmans too. We actually, we drove up to visit my grandmother. My grandmother's the only one who's really still there. Mm-hmm. And we drove up to visit and we, we got in at like, it was late. We got in at like two in the morning cause we got stuck in traffic in Ohio. And the first thing we did was we went to Wegmans. <laughs> I so was this like, is really, I have something to share with you. Yes. So <laughs> this is really bad. But um, my brother and I, I was, must have been a few years back. It was just me and him um, who were going up. And um, my mom kept calling us and asking where we were. But we went straight to Wagman's. We didn't even <laughs> go to the house. Like, we were just like, I want to sub. We did this. We went, same. yeah. We like, I, I literally, like, I think we might have fibbed a little bit as to what time we were going to get there so that we could just eat our subs and teas. Yeah. Oh, Wegmans. I love it. (laughs) That's the best. Okay. Let's take one deep breath together to close. Thank you for hanging out with Ariel and I in English class. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for doing this with me. I'm so glad we Oh, it's my pleasure. Okay. So we'll take one deep breath together to close. Inhale. And exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste.